0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Imprint Companion, the podcast that delves through the bundles of discs produced by Imprint Films, a boutique Blu-ray label here in Australia, looking at some classic, cult, and uncovered gems in their lineup. This week, we're going to be looking at the March 2023 bundle of six films, including Little Buddha, The House of the Spirits, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, Jacob's Ladder, Georgia, and Return to Paradise. Joining me to highlight three of the films in this bundle is Mr. Blake Howard. How are Hello, you today?
1: Hello, Lex. Good, man. I'm really good. The March bundle is has got some really special films in it. I'm really excited. The last time that we spoke, you know, we were talking about the Feb bundle, which um, was had some terrific ones but i don't think was consistently one of the best batches that we've seen and i think imprint holds the standard incredibly high and increases that but uh this is a really special batch with some really incredible films and unbelievable special features which i can't wait to talk to you about so we're going to dive into probably uh our three picks we might cover some um just in the wrap of the show the ones that aren't going to get as much love from us um in the chat but Three films we're going to cover today is 1990's Jacob's Ladder, directed by Adrian Lyon, 2003's I'll Sleep When I'm Dead by Mike Hodges, who also has another incredible film with Clive Owen called Croupier, which recently came out on 4K, and Georgia, Ulu Grosbard's film, produced and starring Jennifer Jason Leigh, also starring Mayor Winningham, from 1995. A very good year. Lex, shall we start? in a story of sisters in the
0: Southern States. Sure thing. Let's talk about Ulu Grosbard's Georgia.
2: Jennifer Jason Lee, an Academy Award nominee, Mayor Winningham, Georgia. Georgia had the gift. You were great out there, man.
1: What her dad used to say, God kissed her.
2: And the fame. But Sadie had the dream. I'm Sadie Flood. I sing. I hear you're looking for a backup singer. Where'd you hear that? I made it up. It's a powerful story about two sisters. You were the one with the ambition, Sadie. I never gave a damn. About the price of fame. I don't want to know what you do locked away in that bathroom for half an hour. About finding the courage to make your dreams come true. Was I great or was I great? The Chicago Tribune calls it marvelous. Things are going to break for me. There is not a doubt in my mind. People magazine says it's riveting. Georgia was embarrassed of me. Do whatever you have to do, but I don't want to be a part of it anymore. And the Los Angeles Times declares Georgia has heart and soul. It's a very special privilege for me to bring Sadie Flood out Sometimes the only way to triumph is together. I love you, Georgia. A story of two sisters united
1: since a very young age by a shared passion for song. But while Georgia starts a family and a successful singing career, Sadie jumps from drugs to adventure to alcohol as they go the different ways their old friendship seems forever lost. Lex, talk to me about this one. You particularly really love
0: this little flick from Ulla Grossbard. I absolutely love this film. Had never heard of it before. Never heard of it too. Never had heard of it. I like Ulu Grosbard. He directed uh one of my favorite 70s crime films, Straight Time with Dustin Hoffman, which I think is just like a magnificent, Lex. raw nerved little film. Lex, you speak in you're speak like she's speaking my language. I love you're, that you're, film. You're
1: speaking my language, dude. That's a Michael Mann joint. That was Michael mm-hmm. Mann and Dustin Hoffman working on that. Ulu Grosbard took the took the actual reins of the film straight time, mm-hmm. all time classic. Mm-hmm. really hard to get on freaking physical media maybe yeah. that's one for the imprint films um library later on i would love to see yeah. that would that would fit like a glove in imprint but yeah when i saw this i, I would like, oh, hope man. so i, I was. Like, I had to Great.
0: import maybe a warner archive one last year because <laughs> it had been stuck in my head recently and i when i saw ulu gosbard had his name in this bundle i was like okay let's explore further let's see what's going on with georgia georgia moved me so much and i would say a lot of it rests on the performances, but one performance in particular, Jennifer Jason Lee are uh, playing this an addict sister. It's a story about two sisters that are both musically inclined. Mayor Winningham is a very sweet voiced, perfect professional voice. Uh, and she sings like country music kind of like that Joni Mitchell vibe yes. Um, and just a beautiful voice and very, very sweet. Her sister played by Jennifer Jason Lee is the exact opposite. She is kind of grungy. She is an addict. She is her voice kind of lacks the sweet professionalism of her sister. It is really, it's almost hard to listen to, I'd say. Yes, yes. And her performance is so powerful and so rich. I genuinely think it's the best performance I've ever seen of someone trying to find that that mindset of an addict and find that kind of the way to like play that kind of strung out character. I think she's just superb. And it's insane to me she did not receive an Oscar nomination, let alone an Oscar win. Uh, Mayor <laughs> Winningham did get an Oscar nomination for her performance. And together they balance things so well. Like there is so much interesting like uh, bond between these two characters, the push and pull between them. It just feels so real. And one thing I read while going deeper into this movie was uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh and Mae Winningham had been friends forever. Mae Winningham was like her... Uh, camp counselor at summer camps. Really? They've always been trying to find something together. And uh, Georgia, this script, this film was written by Jennifer Jason Lee's mother for these two women to star in together. And that it just amazing. feels so real and so beautiful. And the thing that I find most interesting with this film is there's this really quite beautiful ambiguity to Jennifer Jason Lee's character's talent because she's so raw, so strange, and it's always juxtaposed against to this, the sweetness of her sister's voice. And there's times where you go, maybe the edgy, raw passion in her voice and her passion in her singing, the expression of it equates to a greater talent. But then when it's juxtaposed against Mayor Winningham's voice, it's so nice. And maybe it's a bit boring or something. But you kind of keep drifting between those thoughts of like, this voice is better, but it's a bit boring. It's nicer. And then you hear Jennifer Jason Lee's like, oh, I can't really listen to this. But it's like, oh my God, but she's really expressing herself. So it's kind of like this like ambiguity to the talent that I found so interesting. This film kind of like lets you play, when, play in the space of thinking about who is the real artist between these sisters? So often, that I just found it a really fascinating, bold, and truly unique choice in a film like this. And what kind of helps that is this film does not have the typical structure of these kind of like addiction dramas or an artist drama.
1: It feels so sprawling, which is so mm. re- such a relief. You know chained to an arc that has to feel like ray or walk the line or um you know <laughs> or dewey cox you know who takes yeah. the mickey out of those it is just a much more sprawling thing and i love what you said there because that was my favorite part of it is that we've all encountered and i think this is like the true emotional resonance is you have everyone has encountered in whatever profession that you undertake someone who you you are inspired by who may be just less reliable they may just not work as hard and yet despite the fact that they don't seem to work as hard or like find that 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 drive to to stick it out in a more structured way their talent is immense. You see it in sport. You see it in music. You see it in comedy. Like you see these people sometimes at different parts of their career. And you're like, that person's talent is so unbridled that if they could just get their shit together, they would be a a rock star. And I love that that is the exact wheelhouse that this movie operates. It is really great because every single time, and Jennifer Jason Lee is probably an artist at this, at finding the perfect, like uh, the perfect calibrated kind of mode that, every time she makes another bad decision and she makes Mm -hmm. countless in this movie, you're like, that makes so much sense for her. Like, even though her, her, her math two plus two equals five to her, like it just doesn't work. And like Mayor Winningham is there being like, trying to guide her, trying to do everything she can to set an example. And it just doesn't seem to go. So no, I had a really good time with this one. Lex, I think you completely nailed the appeal mm. of this. And, um, it, it, and I love some of the, some of the digging that you did to find out uh, about what, where this movie came from and how it gestated.
0: Oh, I think it's a fabulous picture. I uh, also saw this great anecdote at the Oscars where Mayor Winningham was nominated. Uh, Meryl Streep was nominated for best actress was with her. And she said, Jennifer should be here. And I was just like, wow, wow, wow. That is pretty cool. Great little anecdote. Uh, Let's move on to our next disc. It is from a wonderful director, the acclaimed director of Croupier and Get Carter. It's Mike Hodges and his film, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead.
2: Look at what I've become. I sometimes don't talk to another living soul for days. I trust no one, nothing. It's grief for a life wasted. Will Graham was the hardest man I've ever known. And I've known a few, believe me. Where are you going? I don't know. What do you think he would do? He's changed. Has he? He won't be back. i don't know where will is davy are you there he's got to know his brother's back asking questions i'm looking for david he's back i've just seen him don't ever underestimate will graham he's a fierce man he'll go the distance he's killed people why are you here will you know why i want to know why he died the way he died it was suicide but you're not sure are you Was there anything that sounded odd to you? No one knows what happened. What could he possibly find out? Tell me. There's nothing to tell. Don't lie to me. He's dead. Does it matter? It matters. What kind of man am I looking for? He's scum, just like his brother. People like us don't change. You're wrong. You're wrong about most things most of the time. Someone's going to die. You left all that behind. Leave the city. Go back where you can breathe. If you stay, it'll destroy you. What are you doing here?
0: In I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, Willie Clive Ohman, a former mobster, comes back to town after he learns his brother Davey, Jonathan Reese Myers, has committed suicide. Upon learning that Davey was brutally raped by mobster, mobsters, Willie is determined to seek justice by finding the men who victimized him. While on the search for the mobsters, Willie comes face to face with Frank Scott, the local bad boy. And conflict arises when Frank starts to believe that Willie is back in town to reclaim his status as the town's bad boy. This was a film I had seen Back in my video store days when I was going on my Mike Hodges bent of his <laughs> geezer gangster films and I absolutely love Get Carter. I loved catching up with Croupier and when I came back to our sleep when I'm dead, when I saw it was in this bundle, I was incredibly excited. But I'll tell you, I feel like this film, it doesn't even stand close to shoulder to shoulder with those other ones. I found it a bit starker and a bit colder and a bit a bit less involving perhaps a little bit less in kind of bringing me on board and aligning me with Clive Owen I don't know like I I also think a strength to croupier and uh get Carter are their coldness but I feel like here it didn't serve it quite as well how did you feel catching up with I'll sleep when I'm dead
1: Yeah look what it has in its, in, I guess the positive column is exactly that it feels plucked out of a get Carter time. Like it's even further away in my mm-hmm. mind to Croupier. croupier feels like a contemporary film and it feels like it has all of those 1970s elements, but it feels like it's, it's, it's contemporizing them along the way, but this is a cold film and it's almost like, it's like a cinema as an autopsy where it's going mm-hmm. back through to look at the psychology and to look at the motivation and everything, every stone that it overturns in, in this movie is ugly. And I guess that's the quandary that you get of the Clive Owen character is because with, a, as the brutality escalates and you see the life that he is snatched away from his brother and you see the awfulness with which that he was sort of tortured and then psychologically damaged enough to take his own life. You're expecting that his Pursuit suit for vengeance is going to like hit a similar crescendo, you know, maybe like a Phoenix, he's going to come out, he's going to burn hot and then he's going to explode. And the end of this movie is just going to be the whole thing on fire, kind of get Carter style, but it doesn't do that. It stays at this simmer and you, you can't, he starts, you know, I can sort of see the motivations of the movie, sort of keeping it at this deathly simmer, keeping you on the edge of your seat, like expecting him to exact bloody vengeance, and when he doesn't, it's about like keeping these gangsters who've done this awful thing in a state of fear that he's kind of like the angel of death just around the corner at any time willing to take their life or not based on his whims. But I agree with you that that doesn't necessarily like completely work <laughs> like i I found mm. myself with like a little bit more sort of like movie bloodlust, and i I can tell that Mike Hodges because he's a talented filmmaker, very talented in fact um I can tell that this movie is trying to take a lot of lefts when you're really begging it to take a right. And so I kind of liked, I liked the film challenging me this time more and could sort of admire it for what it was attempting to do rather than probably what it completely achieved for me. So I'm a little bit, probably more in the firm, like enjoying it column. But if you're talking about like Mike Hodges, those films that are like 10 out of 10s, like, Croupier is like a nine out of 10 and get Carter is an 11. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and and I'll sleep when I'm dead is kind of, it's reaching for those things without doing it. But I I do have to admire, like, I love a swing. I love mm-hmm. setting you up to expect something and then taking a really sharp turn and then following it to the logical conclusion of the rules that the movie is set. So I did, I, I think this is worth a watch and uh, I would go and check it out. If you haven't seen it, check it out um, if you like those other films. But yeah, I agree with you. It does. It's a film that just like almost infuriatingly holds you at arm's length. But I kind of, I don't know whether it was my mindset when I was watching it or whatever the case may be, but I just felt like I've watched it twice now. I watched it when we first got the batch and I watched it again just to really sharpen up on it because I I knew that you didn't have the best experience with it. But I think mm. because i would watched it a couple of times, like that second time around, it really crystallized for me. And I, I do miss... Man, I miss Clive Owen at this stage of his career, just simmering, yeah. just smoldering awesome, like intense. Yeah. You know, this film is made in, you know, 2003. It's it's three years before what I think is his absolutely lights out best career performance, which is Children of Men. And he he was just at this period of his, his career. He was just one of the most exciting emerging British talents that was coming across into more Hollywood mainstream films. And I, 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 there was so much to like about it. I love Charlotte Rampling. Jonathan Reese Myers mm-hmm. was so hot at this period in his career. Malcolm McDowell's here. It's 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 got that perfect mix of people that you've never seen before, and a whole bunch of familiar faces and character actors. And yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely for me definitely worth a watch. And uh and and kind of for the, some of the things that it defies expectation
0: absolutely great speaking on this beautiful work after i was nervous to do so after not quite digging it as much as i thought i would
1: we'll be right back after this quick break
0: we're going to talk about one more film in this batch we're going to be talking about A true defining cult classic from the early 90s, it is Adrian Lyne's Jacob's Ladder.
2: Every day Jacob Singer goes to work. What's wrong? Oh, it's one of those days. And every day he wonders what is happening to him. It reads the pressure, Jake. They're like demons, Jeff. They weren't human. What were they, Jake? Let cool, look at your hand. Yeah, you very strange lines. See, according to this, you're already dead. <laughs> they are or what they are but they're gonna get me and I'm scared Jake I've seen them too maybe the demons are real he's running 106 feet ah! this is Bob Barry I can get rid of the demons who are you I can block the ladder who are, are you taking me where am I where do you want to go Oh, is your home you're dead i'm not dead what are you then i'm
1: alive divorced vietnam veteran turned postman jacob singer is disturbed when it begins to be plagued by bizarre and violent hallucinations so strong are the images that the line between past and present real and unreal begins to dissolve this film written by bruce joel rubin an incredible script that has its own wonderful story behind it picked up by the really sensational aestheticist adrian line <laughs> um uh, it's it, it was immediately a, a classic and so funny produced by Mario Casar and Andrew Vargina, who in this time are producing some of the biggest action movies that cinema has ever seen with the Terminators, with the Rambo films. And they make this stunningly weird philosophical musing on faith, on the meaning of life, on this merger and collision between Buddhism and Christian iconography. Wow, Lex, talk to us about Jacob's Ladder finally getting a gorgeous Blu-ray treatment here at Imprint Films.
0: Yeah, thank God they did, because I think that this is like a true cult film where I think you either love it or it just doesn't work for you. Yes. And I think it kind of made me go in a little bit trepidatiously, even though I had seen it before and really dug it when I was a teenager. Coming back to it, I loved it. I yeah. And I know not everybody does, and I think that's something that makes this film fascinating. I think that Jacob's Ladder is such a rich visual feast and one thing i guess even talking about resurrection last week is kind of interesting because i'm so drawn to horror that takes its mythology from religion i feel like it captures something quite like primordial uh between like the battles of good and evil or something and i think it's like finding something in true darkness when you kind of explore religion through a horror lens um Because, you know, religion has been with us for as long as we've been communicating, basically, explanations for things. And I think digging into those things, I find it really quite scary. It really works effectively for me. I think this film does that really beautifully in kind of creating demons into a reality, at least for points in this film. But there was a scene, two performers that kind of forgot were completely in this movie. um, And they both did things marvelously for me here. My favorite scene is this really quite stunningly staged intimate moment with uh, the actress S. Epartha Murkison, who we probably best know as like the chief in the original Law and Order series um, throughout like its entire run. She is reading uh, Robbins's Palms. In like this on party. the stairs
1: in the party. It's, it's one of my, I'm so glad you said that. It was like, I almost read your mind. I was like, I just mm. revisited that scene before getting on the chat. Cause I wanted to talk to you about it. I love that dude. Scene.
0: It's such a weird scene because the rest of this party is so steamy and like like kind of edgy because it's like, you know, he's almost hallucinating sex happening in front of him in these uh, like dance settings. And then this scene is just so weirdly juxtaposed to it, so perfectly calibrated. And it is at such a surprising pitch because they're giggling together. They're like laughing and sweet and giggling, even though kind of like what is being talked about is divine and disturbing. It is truly like a moment of genius. The way the scenes put together,
1: what is amazing about that scene. um, And this is why Adrian Lyon, Adrian Lynn, however you pronounce his name um, does such an amazing, amazing, amazing job is the party. This, this entire film, Jacob's Ladder, does such a tremendous thing is that whilst we now, uh, you know, and spoilers if you haven't seen the film, the film is a kind of rumination on whether or not the lead character this is all a complete hallucination or it is not um and the script itself and we'll talk about one of the incredible special features on here a phenomenal essay by alexandra helenicholas who um uh, is one of the great australian critics and Alex and i Mm -hmm. really really both admire her deeply i want to get to that but what it does is it's kind of that that bridging point um in the title of the film which is you know the the moment where you can sort of either hear the voice of God or you're you're experiencing your last moments before life and death and I think the whole film does this incredible job of being just such a tactile and and really visceral expression of reality and unreality at the same time and it's it's so amazing so at this party which is like getting debaucherous it's like that whole like Sodom and Gomorrah sort of mythology that's happening in this grubby New York party has this beautiful aside where that, as you said, talking about the deepest and darkest potentials of of fate, and it's happening on a casual stairway party where the music's loud and it's flirtatious and it's great, and Esapatha Murkison looks amazing and she's beautiful and alluring, and already, um, you know, uh, Elizabeth Pena who plays Jesse, who's Jacob's partner in this, is is you know this kind of beautiful and in, in true Adrian Line fashion alluring sexual being that has this moment of frenzy or is is part of this moment of frenzy that jacob experiences at this party but around that is this beautiful oasis in here and that's what this movie is it's these beautiful philosophical oasises wrapped around this kind of sensual visceral uh you know expression and i think it's maybe one of the best um one of the best blends of those two things and as you said all these religious thrillers or religious ruminations so great i've got so much so much time for them um and yeah that that was one of my favorite scenes and probably the other secondary scene which is the linchpin of the movie especially after watching alexandra heller um video essay on the film danny aiello's louis who plays um, a chiropractor in this um, two of the key scenes of the film for me. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, it was so great to revisit. It's a it's it's an amazing, amazing film. And I I genuinely thought when I was watching this, I know that Adrian Lyon did Fatal Attraction and things like that, but I, I think that this script may be the most special script mm-hmm. that he's ever been yes. able to stretch with because truly as a filmmaker, there's so few who would have done as amazing mm-hmm. a job as he did visually interpreting the script and realizing it on the screen and compliments all of these incredible actors, Tim Robbins, yes. Kurt Taylor Vince, who we oh, talked he's about great in He's it. wonderful in this as well. Um, even Jason Alexander, terrific. Matt Craven has a moment in there as Michael,
0: sensational. Jason Alexander, he's crazy in this movie. It's fantastic. Crazy.
1: Fantastic. It's 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 a really special, a special film. And like when, you know, Colt is now almost. Frustratingly overused, because like if mm-hmm. if if the big conglomerates would have you believe like Ant-Man is a cult film, and you're like, yeah. cut it out, all right, just cut the shit. Um, this is a true cult classic from the early '90s, and and the other amazing thing is that the screenwriter Bruce Joel Rubin actually wrote ghost won an academy award for best original screenplay. And both of his films ghost and Jacob's ladder were kind of build at the same time. And so you watch them both go into production. One becomes this absolute juggernaut has a huge Mm -hmm. cultural footprint. And then this one is an, is the immediate antithesis to that. So yeah, I, I think this is a really terrific film, sensual, scary, great. Enjoy the hell Uh, out of it again. I, I, and I, and I'm like, you watched this a million years ago and couldn't mm-hmm. place things. It was a lot really implaceable, but, um, that was great. But, and, and I just want to shout out the actual name hidden in plain sight, spirituality in Jacob's ladder, which is a video essay by film historian, Alexandra Helen Nicholas is the name. Um, something's Absolutely. wrong with my head is another one from another Aussie film historian, Josh Nelson on here too. Great special features all over this, um, you know, interviews with Bruce Joel Rubin from 2023 as well um it's it's really really great um a great disc and probably absolutely the
0: pick of the batch absolutely i i i think it's fantastic glad to revisit it a nice healthy batch here i'd say uh between the three that we discussed and there are three others that we didn't get a chance to get to but all of them uh i think it's a healthy little batch little buddha the house of the spirits and finally the last film *Return to paradise with a really monster cast of Joaquin Phoenix, Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche, uh and Vera Farmiga as well. Interesting batch, some f- key things to go back to. Uh, I, I mean, for me, Jacob's ladder and Georgia, those are just like instant pickups. Uh, they're just great movies. And next batch, the April 23 batch is a big one because you've got two freaking huge box sets. You've got Essential Film Noir Collection 4 with 5 films in it this time. It is humongous. And then we have also got a brand new set. It is Tales of Adventure Collection 1, which is a bunch of classic swashbucklers and adventure films from the 1940s and the 1950s. And then another film that I've already watched that I absolutely love this new set from imprint, the haunting of Julia in um, one of
1: the sexiest cases we've seen from imprint, by the way. So we're going to, we've got a mm-hmm. big batch for April that we're going to talk about. May is coming just and far fast and furiously on its heels as well with um uh, another amazing six films, Catman man of Paris uptight the long voyage home bus Riley's back in town. The Spiral Road, um, and uh, really, uh, uh, and the Great Gatsby from 1949. So huge batches coming up. We've got more to talk to you about. Um, this was a banger. There's still March bundles that you can purchase if you want the entire bundle. And this one actually, probably pound for pound for March, is a batch worthy batch um, on imprint. But mm-hmm. otherwise, Jacob's Ladder and Georgia. Uh, probably the picks of the entire batch. Lex, you can be found at This Is Alexi on both Instagram and Twitter. People can find, obviously, the entire series of Total Reboot. Um, they mm-hmm. can find Finding Yeezus. They can find Finding Drago. They can find Finding Desperado if they want podcasts or YouTube series alike. You are very busy whiling away on some secret stuff. I know the inner workings of that. I'm not going to share, but is there <laughs> anything um, you want to say to the folk before we yeah, pack it up for Imprint March?
0: Yeah, you know what? By the time this comes out, uh, I am hosting a Trivia Night for the Sydney Film Festival. Yew. So if you want to get into that, there will be some tickets available on the SFF website. Uh, so book ahead. I'll be giving away some prizes. There will always be a booty prize for last place when I'm hosting. And there's a real fun one. So even if you don't feel like you might be a winner... Um, there's a really good prize for last place that I would My, say. I just is worth just tank. Coming I might come
1: to. along and just tank it so I can get the booty prize. Um, mm-hmm. excelente. So we'll make sure um we we share that once uh, the links all go up as well. Um, you can catch everything that we're doing over at oneheatminute.com. Lots of cool stuff happening there. Um, you can catch us on oneheatminute.com um on Patreon. So just go Patreon forward slash oneheatminute. Lots of cool stuff there. You can check it out and support. But we'll catch you with. The big April batch um, of Film Noir and Tales of Adventure um, and uh, all that other good stuff very, very soon.